The New Orleans Saints defense may feature both its strongest unit and the two units with the most concern on the roster. And who makes the roster will help to alleviate any and all of those concerns, potentially. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, all the everydayers out there making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, as well as partake in all of our exclusive film studies, uh, Q&As, and much more, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnSaints to join the community, which I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on your favorite social media. <laughs> you can always find me as well as the senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday, and then some on Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Building a championship team is all about players being the perfect fit and the same goes for your vehicle. And with eBay Motors, you're going to be able to head over, find the green check. And with that, make sure that you're staying in the game with eBay's guaranteed fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, it's part two of two. When it comes to our 53-man roster projection, we did offense in Monday's episode, so make sure you go and check that out. Today, we're taking a look at the defense, which may feature both the strongest unit and the two units with the biggest question marks going into across the entire team going into training camp. So we're going to get to the secondary, which may be the team's strongest unit a little bit later. We're going to take a look at some of that depth at linebacker that a lot of folks are concerned about, but I want to start off with the rebuild on the defensive line, because this was one of the biggest stories around the New Orleans Saints this offseason. They lost David Onyemata, they lost Shai Tuttle, they lost Contavia Street, Marcus Davenport left, and so there's a whole bunch here that the New Orleans Saints had to rebuild in terms of their defensive line. Only one returning starter for that unit being, of course, the one and only Cam Jordan, whose extension we're still waiting to hear about. Hopefully that comes together at some point over the course of training camp. But for right now, let's take a look at the defensive line and how the New Orleans Saints could rebuild it into a still respectable defensive line that wants to be an elite defensive line. So I want to start off on the uh, defensive interior because that's where some of the biggest changes happened. The loss of, like I mentioned, David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle, Contavia Street, all that. Uh, The one guy that's returning to the New Orleans Saints roster that I think still makes the 53-man roster and still is one of my breakout candidates for 2023 is Malcolm Roach. So I've got him still making this the two free agency additions, Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard. And then I've got Brian Brzee, the rookie first round draft pick. And that's it. I've got the New Orleans Saints bringing just four defensive tackles into the roster. I think that with the flexibility of being able to elevate players from the practice squad and all that, that you'll probably see guys like Prince Amelie or maybe even, you know, Jack Heflin, who came over from the XFL, played with the Houston Roughnecks, those guys potentially landing on the practice squad and then being able to uh, contribute. The other thing that you have here 
are some of the guys that can bounce from the outside to the inside. So let's take a look at the defensive end spot where I have the Saints keeping five. So this is going to take us from where we left off at 27, which included the entire offense, long snapper, and kicker. And this is going to take us up to uh, 36. So we've got Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, Malcolm Roach, Brian Brzee on the interior. On the outside, I've got Cameron Jordan, Carl Granderson. I think those are right now your two favorites to be the starters. Cam Jordan is obviously not a question there. Rookie Isaiah Foskey, the second round pick. Peyton Turner getting another year to prove what he can be as a former first round uh, selection by the Saints. And Tono Passigno, who I think is one of these guys that maybe has flown under the radar quite a bit. Um, you know, when I kind of highlighted and asked a few weeks ago, what's maybe a move that is a little bit undercovered or unheralded amongst the things that the New Orleans Saints have done over the course of this offseason. I put that question out on social media and Joe Marino, who hosts our Locked on Bills podcast, but also our Locked on NFL scouting podcast, which has a focus on team building, roster management, all that contracts, everything, all the nerdy stuff that you love to hear me talk about. Those guys do every single Monday through Friday over on Locked on NFL scouting with the draft dude. So maybe worth your time checking out. Uh, but when it comes to Joe, the one that he highlighted was Getting Tono Passigno back, considering his trajectory so far over the course of his career and his time in New Orleans, and on the contract that he was given, which is a, a light, light, light contract. So there's obviously, even outside of the city of New Orleans, uh, a little bit of an eye on Tono Passigno and what he's been able to do over the course of his time in New Orleans. So I do think that he and Peyton Turner both have the opportunity and, and ability to be able to bounce towards the inside. So if the Saints needed to shuffle a little bit more, or let's say, Colin Saunders needed to tie his shoe and Malcolm Roach needed to change his helmet and they wanted to get another athletic guy in there, but Brian, well, along with Brian Brzee, then Tonto Passigno could be that guy. So I think when we look at the defensive line, there's still a lot of question marks here. This was a defensive line that was 24th in the NFL against the run last year that has made some changes to its line that don't necessarily give you a lot of improvement when it comes to defending the run. Brian Brzee and attacking Three, uh, three tech penetrator pass rusher. Same thing for Nathan Shepard. Colin Saunders, his number one priority will be to stop the run. 324 pounds, six foot, very athletic. That's going to be his game. Malcolm Roach at 290 pounds. That's going to be his game as well. Those are the guys on the interior that are going to have to step up. And Nathan Shepard and Brian Brazier are going to have to develop further as run defenders. But what they have done is increase their ability to be able to get after the passer on the defensive interior and across the defensive line as a whole. They shedded a lack of production with a guy like Marcus Avenport, and they added massive production with almost identical measurables, almost identical testing numbers in Isaiah Foskey. So you get the athleticism, you get the length, you get the measurables, you get the speed to power conversion that you like, but you also get production, which Marcus Davenport was never able to provide consistently. So now you're asking, can Isaiah Foskey end up providing that type of production consistently at some point during his career? at the NFL level. So you see, there's a lot of question marks when it comes to this unit, but I do think that the Saints have done enough to be able to make the right decision with the group that they have going into the training camp roster when it comes to a 53-man roster. Cam Jordan asked on Twitter or X, whatever, the other day about how, uh, about whether or not uh, you know, the New Orleans Saints would add a veteran defensive tackle or another veteran edge rusher. And I think that there's a chance that they do both. They just brought, or one of the other, or or potentially even both, right? They just, these don't have to be top uh, flight signings. They could be guys that end up rotating. They could be guys that end up helping out. They could be guys that end up 
making the practice squad or, or, or being reserves, you can add players at those positions without them being these, you know, big signings like the Yannick Ngakwe's and the Indomitian Zoos of the world, which would be great. Don't get me wrong, but probably not the route that New Orleans will go. And they are bringing in, they did bring in Kyle Phillips for a visit who had an outstanding rookie season with the New York Jets and then just kind of fell off due to injuries ever since then. So he brings more concern than he brings production. So if the question is production, I think the Saints should be able to find it, but they're going to have to get the right group of nine or 10 defensive linemen together. I have them keeping nine here, uh, four interior, five on the edge, but knowing that Tono Passanio and Peyton Turner can probably do both, Tono Passanio in particular. All right, let's, next, let's get to the linebackers. This is another big spot that has a lot of question marks, particularly centered around depth. Not only is this team and this unit really good at the top, or they might be really good at the top, but they still need to be able to answer the question about where the depth is coming from. I have an idea of where we're starting, but we'll see how things evolve over the course of training camp. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. If you're somebody that has been looking to get to, to, to start with therapy or give therapy a try, BetterHelp is absolutely the place to get it done. There's a couple of reasons why, right? Like, they, look, there's a lot of barriers of entry when it comes to therapy, whether it's price, whether it's travel that, that's necessitated, whether it's time out of your day, whether it's just simply finding the right therapist. And BetterHelp helps to uh, alleviate the concerns around all four of those factors. It's cheaper than traditional therapy, much more affordable. Uh, you're able to change your therapist if you don't feel like your therapist is a fit anytime for free. You eliminate the traffic, the drive, the waiting rooms, all that other stuff. And of course, you end up being able to do all of this in the comfort of your own home. So it just helps to eliminate all the barriers of entry for you to maybe potentially do something that can be really, really beneficial for you. Think about therapy as going to the gym for your mind effectively. So let the uh, BetterHelp be your map. Let it be your guide by heading over to BetterHelp today. Okay, so you're going to go to betterhelp.com slash locked on. You're going to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again to all the everydayers out there for making us your first listen of the day every day. Want to do a quick reminder about subtext for you, 14 days for free and then $4.99 a month after that. I promise it's worth it. Exclusive film studies, uh, give you some of the research materials that I use for the show, uh, exclusive Q&As every week. And now with training camp underway, if you want early in, uh, early insider access to information, subtext is the way to go. Everything sent directly to your phone. So you don't have to worry about what social media app you're using today. So if you want to check it out, join subtext.com slash locked on saints to join. All right, let's take a look at the New Orleans Saints linebacker room. I'm dedicating an entire segment to this because I do think that this is a tougher one. This was a tougher one for me to pick out. Um, you know, the two starters here, Demario Davis, Pete Werner, no doubt about that. And then there's kind of two conversations to be had about the third linebacker. There's kind of a 3A and a 3B. 3A is who's the strong side linebacker, the additional linebacker when there's three on the field. So when the New Orleans Saints come out in a base set of four defensive linemen, three linebackers, and four defensive backs, that's that's one of those who's the third linebacker question marks. The other one is who provides depth behind the two starters in Demario Davis and Pete Werner. So I have to come up with an answer for each one of these, right? So the way that I look at it is that Zach Bond is your strong side linebacker. And I think that's a really good role for him. I'll tell you why in a moment. 
DeMarco Jackson, the New Orleans Saints, he'll be his second, he'll be going into his second year, even though he didn't get an opportunity to play at all last year. He missed the entire season going on an injured reserve with an undisclosed injury. He's been working as the green dot communications headset Mike Middle linebacker. That's kind of been his role. So he's effectively been backing up Demario Davis in that case. And so I think that what we've seen from him so far as somebody that's transitioning from an on-ball role to an off-ball role, that that transition has gone a little bit more seamlessly for him than it had than it did for Zach Bond, at least throughout the you know early signs of off-season workouts and activities and things like that. We'll have to see what happens once we get into uh, preseason and training camps and all that other stuff. He's got a little bit of an issue with shuffling his feet. One of the big things that like Mike Dettelier and other really good scouts will highlight, you have to kind of get rid of all that unnecessary movement when you're playing in the middle of a defense. You just have to be able to click and close basically and be able to key and react. And so once Marco Jackson gets a little bit more fluid with that, I do think that that will end up going a long way for him. So I put him as kind of the backup coverage linebacker. And then I'm just going to have them keeping five. This is one that I have a little bit of trouble seeing them keep six unless there's a big time, you know, special team standout. This is where maybe Ty Summers comes into play. I've got the Saints keeping Andrew Dowell. They love him. Every single training camp, he's been one of the kind of, uh, you know, apples of the New Orleans Saints coaching staff's eye. And so I do think that that means something coming into the 2023 season. They brought him back again, all those things. But I could see Ty Summers maybe fighting for a spot here or it being a little bit of a battle between Andrew Dowell and Ty Summers. They like both of those guys as special team standouts. And so I do think that that matters. You think back to Craig Robertson, for instance, who lived on the New Orleans Saints roster for a long time because of what he brought as a special teams player, but also as a special teams captain. And that's one of those things that I thought that maybe over time, Caden Ellis would assume. Caden Ellis is now in Atlanta. So maybe that becomes Andrew Dowell's opportunity to become that special team standout especially after we saw Caden Ellis evolve into something else. And speaking of evolving into something else, this is where I want to circle back to our conversation around Zach Bond. I know I'm not talking much about Demario Davis and Pete Werner, but we know who they are. Those are your nickel linebackers that are going to be on the field first, second, third down. Uh, Pete Werner probably comes off the field on third downs. If they go to a dime set and they only have one linebacker on the field, you want Demario Davis to be that guy. But maybe in certain cir circumstances, you want Pete Werner to be that guy. We'll see. But we know who they are they're they're easy. And and look, Pete Werner was on his way to a fantastic season last year before it was kind of derailed with injury. Hopefully he can pick up exactly where he started to leave off uh, last season. And even when he came back last year, he still looked good. Zach Bond, though, I think has the opportunity in front of him to finally pan out. And this is a big thing. Like when he was drafted back a few years ago, a lot of folks kind of had him as a first round prospect. I did not because I thought that his light frame was going to keep him from being able to do the thing that made him draftable in the first place at Wisconsin, which was rushing the passer. He would need to be an on-ball or off-ball linebacker at the next level. Well, the Saints drafted him in the third round, so he was not a first-rounder, as we expected. And then he turned into, or they tried to turn him into an off-ball linebacker because of some of the things they saw him do pretty well at the Senior Bowl, right? Senior Bowl kind of gives you an opportunity to do things that maybe you don't usually do during your collegiate days and stuff. We see that with Nick Saldaveri, who played, you know, right tackle uh, at Old Dominion, has also played on the interior at guard, but never took any center snaps until he went to the Senior Bowl. And then Jim Nagy's like, hey, that might be his best position. So this was something that happened with Zach Bond as well. This happens with a lot of prospects. The off-ball linebacker transition has not panned out in New Orleans. And so maybe an on-ball linebacker uh, opportunity will. And that's something that we kind of saw him play a little bit more of last year. And I think would be something that benefits him. The thing that makes Zach Bond special is his ability to get after the ball and his nose for the football in terms of being a tackler. 
being a pass rusher, being a run stopper. Those are the things that have always stood out about him, more so the pass rushing part than the run stopping part, but his ability to be able to climb laterally up the line of scrimmage and his speed to be able to beat uh, halfbacks or running backs to the edge. Those are things, or to the corner, those are things that we've seen him do when he was a Wisconsin Badger. Now, he may finally have a full-time role and ability to be able to do that on a consistent basis, not just because it's what he's being asked to do, but because there's no one else to kind of cut in front of him, at least right now, and take some of those snaps away for the moment. And that's one of those things that kind of stifles your ability to be able to develop is how many opportunities are you even getting to get good at the thing that you're supposed to be get good at, right? And so if he's not getting those opportunities, we can't expect the needle to move. This year, he should get those opportunities, and you'd love to see the needle move. The thing that has always made Zach Bond special, the thing that made him draftable, the thing that made him a day one, day two prospect, day one to some people, day two prospect to to most people, is his ability to rush the passer. Turn him loose in 2023. Let him do that as the third linebacker on the field. That is your fifth pass rusher. That way you've got Demario Davis and Pete Werner who can drop back in the coverage. You've got a really strong secondary. Even if you just have two corners and two safeties out there, you can cover the majority of the field and you can eliminate some of the big plays still especially with a ticking clock that gets accentuated or they get sped up, if you will, by a speed rusher, which the New Orleans Saints have not successfully had on their roster for what feels like a decade. So if you get the opportunity to add that element to your defense, add that element to your defense, don't stand in your own way. Don't beat your head up against the wall. See what Zach Bond's able to do as a pass rusher. The thing that made him draftable in the first place. That's why I like him as the Saints option as being the, um, that pass rusher, that strong side linebacker, that on-ball linebacker whose focus is stop the run, get after the quarterback. And if he's able to do that successfully, he might earn a second contract in New Orleans. He might earn a second contract elsewhere like Caden Ellis did. But this is an important season for Zach Bond. So let him maximize it by doing the thing that he's always been at his best doing. So while we have question marks about the depth with linebacker, the depth on the defensive line, how the defensive line will perform as an entirely new unit, seemingly. There's not a lot of questions about the secondary, and it's probably the strongest unit for the New Orleans Saints on their roster now for the second year in a row. Got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Who that Nation? Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints and our roster projection. We are now at 41 of 53 spots filled. And we're going to get a little bit of wiggle room here for just a moment. That's going to be, it's going to give us a little bit of fun. So we're moving on to the secondary here, which I think undoubtedly is the New Orleans Saints strongest positional group. They've done a lot of great things at tight end. They did a lot of great things at running back. Wide receiver at the top is really good as long as you can keep your big three healthy. But at the bottom, you still have some question marks here. I really don't have any question marks about any of these players that we're about to list off, whether it be the cornerbacks or the safeties, pretty comfortable with any and all of these guys. Uh, But we do have another kind of situation to kind of see how it all plays out when we get to safety. But let's start off with the corners here, because this is pretty straightforward. Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, Alante Taylor, Bradley Roby, those guys are locks, but I have the Saints keeping six corners. So you've got those two at the top being your four. The reason why I have them keeping six is because Marshawn Lattimore and then Paul Sanadibo or Alante Taylor and Bradley Roby, those are going to be your starters. So you're going to need guys that are going to be able to back up multiple spots. You're going to need multiple depth players. You're not necessarily going to be in a situation where you can rely on 
Paul Sanadibo to back up Alante Taylor or Alante Taylor to back up Paul Sanadibo because they may also rotate with one another. We just don't know. So with that being the case, if I'm looking at who surprised and impressed the most uh, at corner outside of those guys when it came to OTAs, minicamps and everything, Troy Pride Jr., who is an offseason addition, uh, played with the Carolina Panthers, spent some time with some other you know units as well. But I do think that Troy Pride Jr. is somebody that has earned himself my early vote. Remember, this is a this is kind of a starting point when it comes to the 53-man roster projection. We'll see how it changes over the course of training camp. But I'm going to give Troy Pride Jr. that fifth spot. And then I actually gave him the sixth spot. But the fifth spot I gave to Isaac Yadam. And the reason why I gave it to Isaac Yadam is because he has shown some big-time growth as a corner on the outside over the course of OTAs and minicamp. But he's also your best gunner on the team outside of JT Gray. And I think that that is something that counts for a lot, a lot. Because Look, the Saints special teams unit last year wasn't what the Saints special teams unit has been in the past. But once Isaac Yadam stepped in and he and JT Gray were across from one another, things started to change for the better. In terms of their punt coverage, we saw net return yards go down. We saw return opportunities go down, all of that. So I do think that a guy like Yadam deserves to still be on this roster. A guy like Troy Pride Jr. has fought to be on this roster. And then we got to figure out what's going to happen between Paul Sidibo and Alante Taylor. Who's going to start on the outside? Will Alante Taylor be able to pick up a new position that he has never spent a considerable amount playing, a considerable amount of playing time playing over the course of the six weeks of training camp and, and earn the slot role over Bradley Roby? How does that impact Bradley Roby? Do the Saints end up trying to move off of Bradley Roby at the, you know, at the roster cuts? Could they potentially trade him away if that's the case? Do you keep him so that you have the veteran depth there? All of that makes sense. But Look, Alante Taylor said it himself. I'm not a slot corner. I'm an outside corner, but I'll do whatever this team asked me to do. And it's still good for Alante Taylor to learn that because he still took slot snaps last year. It wasn't a situation to where he was deployed in the slot, but it was a situation where he was motioned into the slot. And that's something that's going to happen when you don't have a lot of slot experience, but you're going up against some of those bigger, um, some of those bigger, you know, talented receivers that can operate from the outside to the inside and all those other things. So We'll see what happens between Paul Sanadibo and Alante Taylor, but I expect that both of them, one way or another, will get considerable playing time in 2023, not even based on injuries, but simply based on matchup, rotation, all these other things. So having those two other backups makes a lot of sense. So that gets us up to 47 out of 53. Um, we're going to get all the way up to 52 here, but it's a little bit tricky. I've got the Saints keeping six. So if you count that right, you're saying, wait, Ross, that's 53. I've got them keeping six safeties, but obviously Marcus May I have on the suspension list. So he's a guy that will probably miss the first couple of games due to his DUI suspension that's still outstanding from when he was, you know, with the the New York Giants and all that. And so that still has to be resolved. The case that was brought up in Jefferson Parish here in Louisiana, that is something that has been dropped. You won't see anything come from that. But there is still the outstanding DUI case. And I believe that there was some like property damage stuff that happened with that as well. Uh, that needs to be taken care of. And there's a trial set for that for actually just a couple of days from now. He actually had a trial just a few days before Alvin Kamara's trial was set to be. So maybe we'll get a little bit of an update on that pretty soon. And then the NFL would, of course, have to step in. But there's a good chance that Marcus May for the first two or three games of the season is unavailable. So that's why I have them keeping six, but only five will count against the roster. So Marcus May's on that suspension list along with Alvin Kamara. And in the five that I have the Saints keeping that actually count against the roster, Tyra Matthew, of course, uh, Jordan Howden, the rookie. So I do have the entire rookie class slotted in, expected to make the roster right now. Will they? We'll find out. But right now, I have that as the expectation. Uh, Jonathan Abrams, who was one of the uh, additions this offseason. Lonnie Johnson Jr., another addition this offseason. And then I actually also have uh, JT Gray, which should be no surprise. Um, the thing that's going to be interesting is 
Jonathan Abram, Lonnie Johnson, Ugo Amadi. Does Ugo Amadi do enough as a backup slot safety who can also play safety, who's also a core special teamer? Does he do enough to be able to beat a guy like Lonnie Johnson out, beat a guy like uh, Jonathan Abrams out for this for this roster spot? So it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it all shakes out. But with the Marcus May suspension right now, it's easy to kind of get everybody on there. But Ugo Amadi is somebody that can end up kind of jumping in and um, and and stealing a spot. Uh, so that's where the way that I have the safeties panning out. There's nothing really super surprising here. Um, I, I don't. I, I think you love the versatility of Lonnie Johnson, who can contribute all over the place. You like the uh, ability for Jonathan Abram as a big hitter to be able to um, step into the box, which would be a good compliment to Tyron Matthew while Marcus May is out. And Tyron Matthew can play a little bit more of the deep safety role if you need him to. Jordan Howden can play that role, but can also play in the slot and can also contribute on special teams. So there's just a lot of versatility. This is what the New Orleans Saints wanted. This is what Dennis Allen wanted with Tyron Matthew and Marcus May pairing them up is that you get a lot of um, you get a lot of disguise, you get a lot of versatility, you get a lot of flexibility with those two guys. Now you've got that for five, <laughs> five different players, six different players who can all do uh, multiple things. And at number 53 on the roster is, of course, punter Blake Gillikin, just to make sure that that gets in there as well. He does have some competition in Lou Headley, um, which I think will help to de- further develop Blake Gillikin, but I don't think that Gillikin loses his roster spot to, to Lou Headley. So one thing that I do want to mention is that like, as I do this initial 53-man roster projection, which is really just setting the table and then we'll spice everything up as training camp goes along. I've got no UDFAs making this roster as of right now. I don't have any UDFAs as front runners to make the roster at this moment. And I don't know where I would fit one in. I mean, Mark Evans, the uh, offensive lineman is definitely one. Shaq Davis could potentially be, be a guy at wide receiver. I think he's more of a practice squad guy though. I believe the same for Mark Evans. Um, Anthony Orgy is a name that gets thrown out a lot, and, and maybe he's one of the guys that has the most direct paths to the roster with his ability to be able to come in and maybe contribute at linebacker. Um, and maybe that's a situation where the Saints keep five safeties that includes Marcus May, and then maybe you know you have you know Jonathan Abram or Lonnie Johnson Jr. doesn't make the roster, and then you have an extra spot at linebacker, so maybe you carry a sixth linebacker in Anthony Orgy or Nick Anderson or something like that, but. It's just really hard, actually, this year to find uh, a spot where a defensive line, or excuse me, an undrafted free agent rookie is going to make this roster. Dron Cage is another one to watch, a defensive tackle out of Ohio State. He could be somebody that maybe surprises. The Saints love their undrafted defensive tackles. Taylor Stallworth, Shai Tuttle, Malcolm Roach, these are all examples. So, I, I, but I don't know. I mean, it's tough. It's tough right now to project a UDFA as a front runner to make the roster before training camp starts. We'll see if the UDFAs begin to change minds as training camp rolls along. And then of course there's uh Blake Groupie, the kicker, and Lou Headley, the punter, who could potentially push Will Lutz and Blake Gilligan. I just don't see it happening. All right. So that is our entire 53-man roster projection. Defense today. We did offense yesterday. Coming up later on today, 7 p.m. Uh, Central Time-ish, somewhere around there, we'll be live on the Locked on Saints YouTube page recapping the day. There will be Saints news today. So make sure you're coming through for tonight's uh, uh, live show where we'll get you updated with all that and get you ready because this is the last episode before the official first day of training camp. So can't be any more excited about that. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. And I appreciate you as always making us a part of your day, a part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you find me on any of your social medias at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's living. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.